money, deals, tribal knowledge, resources, training, coaching, partnering. We are Texas's largest real estate investor association at texasstarterkit.com. My name is Shanoa Grove. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Real Estate Investor Association. I'm Shanoa Grove. I'm the founder and president of Texas RIAs. Excited to have you guys here tonight with me and excited to share a little bit of knowledge about investing in real estate and what we've got uh, on deck and what we've got ready and prepared to share with you today. So every week when we get together, we do a presentation that includes uh, the market update and I have all of the numbers reporting for May at this point and um, some surprises in there for you too. But we we also do a tip of the week every time that we get together and right now I am doing what I call a tip of the week series. Uh, love to share with you guys the tip of the week so every week we share something new, uh, some way to be able to build your business and many weeks, uh, 272 weeks worth, uh, we break down all of the different elements of our real estate investor blueprint. I know it's an eye chart from here but if you uh, take a look at it in the back you'll be able to really get an idea of what this looks like for you as a real estate investor. And as we get going in the tip of the week, I am in the middle of a series of different tips and I'm gonna jump to where we are in this series just so you can uh, follow along. If you haven't, if you're seeing us sort of what I'll call in the middle of uh, one of our series, uh, which this one is, if you are in that and you wanna see the rest of those, then what I would recommend is for you to go ahead and check out our Texas RIA's uh, Facebook page to be able to uh, uh, to be able to see what some of those other tips are. And ooh, I've got my screen a little wonky right now, so I don't see someone who might be able to help me with this. But let me just go back and see if I can get this all fixed up for you guys. Let me try this. Let me try this, and then let me try. All right, let me not try that. Let me go back. <laughs> All right, give me two seconds and I want to pull up the right screen for you guys. Here we go. And here we go. Okay, fantastic. I won't make you listen to the music again. But uh, we're in a series right now where we're talking about marketing, where we're talking about deals, where we're talking about strategy, due diligence, negotiation. Today we're talking about closing. Uh, so this is about a 12-part series and I'm adding to it every week. So if you want to kind of go back to the beginning of that, uh, for those of you guys who are the YouTubers in the room, uh, check it out on our YouTube channel. For our podcasters, we've got that to um, so love to be able to have you guys start from the beginning on this uh, but this week we're actually going through an overview of closing and uh, I'll start with uh, this quote don't you hate it hate people who quote themselves or talk in third person about their own quotes um, I apologize I'm gonna do that right now uh, so I'll just say that closings should be effortless right uh, it should be easy but the truth is that Truth is stranger than fiction, and never is that saying more true than for us as real estate investors. Uh, the things that we have to unscramble on the way to the closing table will shock and surprise uh, even the most seasoned investors uh, in the room, I can promise. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I am uh, literally 
Every day I learn something new about real estate investing and every closing something new comes up that did not come up previously in a prior closing. So the way that we like to describe it is that real estate is a mile wide and not necessarily a mile deep. So what you learned on deal number one, you can't go back and say, all right, I'm gonna use that over and over again on all of the rest of my deals. But what you learned on deal one, you may not experience again until deal number 121, right? So that's the breadth of knowledge that you have to have as a real estate investor and the breadth of issues that challenges uh, is a, a euphemism for uh, what we encounter as real estate investors. But I wanna go through what I'll call a typical process with you. So a typical process, the contract earnest money, option money are sent to the title company and the title company handles everything and then calls us when it's ready to close. Uh, the title company receipts all of the information and goes through a communication, uh, a set of communication uh, processes with the buyer and seller to be able to make sure that everyone is geared up for closing. Uh, they send out a title commitment to all of the parties that are involved. Uh, title commitment might be 25 to 30, 40 pages long, depending on all the disclosures, depending on what's all on Schedule B, what's on, all on Schedule C, and then who all they're doing business with, which is on Schedule D. Uh, so that title commitment will talk about all the things that are covered in your title insurance policy. So these are the things that happen if something goes wrong. Uh, uh, they'll they'll uh, also include a list of the things that they will exclude from their title coverage. So this only matters to you when it matters to you. So we have had situations um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, where someone had the ownership of the property and sold it to us. And then we later found out that they did not own the property. Mom and dad passed away uh, and they uh, did not have a will. So the property went to all of their eight children, eight children. How easy do you think it is to get eight people to get along, number one, and number two, agree on something? Not, not super great. So this property actually fell behind 10 years on property tax payments. Okay, uh, so for those of you guys who are doing like, you know, some of these tax lien strategies, it's kind of, you know, it works in other states. It does not work here in Texas because you can be behind five years, 10 years, even longer in property taxes here in Texas. So if you're marketing to that list, you're, you're gonna have many gray hairs or many fewer hairs before one of those, one of those ships actually comes through. I hate to tell you that, uh, but that's, that's the way it is. Anyway, so, this uh, family was trying to get the property refinanced to be able to pay off the taxes. Uh, they ended up deeding it to the sibling who had the highest credit score and also had a job. That sibling could not get the loan. That sibling had a niece and he deeded it to the niece. Um, and what's one of the requirements for a valid deed? A signature in front of who? In front of a notary. So we found out later that the niece had taken her uncle, right, one of these seven, eight siblings here, to a police station in the middle of a hailstorm and walked in and said, do you see my uncle in the car over there? He's really not feeling bad, this hail, this rain, this wind. Um, would you mind if I had him sign it in the car and brought it back to you and you notarized it. And the woman at the police station said, yeah, okay, sure. I did not hear this story until several weeks after I bought this property. 
because after I bought the property, because it was filed in the, in the courthouse records, and she came and she signed and she sold it to me. And then when I went over to go and pick up, the, uh, go into the house, there was someone living there who moved in. As it turns out, it was one of the other seven siblings. And they said, nope, you don't own this house because that person who sold it to you did not actually own it herself. Well, what are you talking about? Well, she got my brother to be able to sign it, but it was a, it was a false signature. It, wasn't, it was her signature, not his. So we're finding all this out after we've closed on this property. And this is when you say, like, well, what is title policy again? What does title insurance mean? And that's when you get super curious about learning about this sort of stuff, right? That's, that's when curiosity is like really kicks in and, and really want to find this out. And in this particular case, uh, <laughs> um, so we went to the title company, we just said, hey, this looks like super complex, okay? Just, 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 just give me my money back because that's what you're supposed to do, right? And what do you think the title company said? They said no. Why do you think they said no? Oh, well, we have to. We are, we are <laughs> uh, uh, title in partnership. <laughs> this is when it's like, no, I want a divorce from you, right? So, so it's like we have to fight for this together. And in this particular case, we actually reinstated the loan and bought it subject to the existing financing because the loan was about to go into foreclosure because she wasn't paying on it because she wasn't living it. None of the other siblings were paying either. And so as we're trying to figure this out, uh, uh, as it turns out, the uncle who had deeded over to her had died. So we found, and so, and we were not aware, this is another thing we were not aware of, she didn't tell us. We told the title company, we don't care if we win or lose, we just wanna win or lose as quickly as possible. Because if it strings out for two years, which is what they were projecting in this particular case, so again, I didn't care if I won, I didn't care if I lost, I just wanted to win or lose as quickly as possible. So <laughs> uh, we looked at the documents. They looked forged. They did not look like we collected his signatures. It did not look like his signature. And so we told the title company, this looks pretty forged. And they're like, well, you can't say that. What do you mean I can't say that? You mean I can't say the truth? Well, no, the only way that title insurance is gonna pay off is if we are working together on this, right? Yeah, so, so my husband's like, well, you can't ask me to lie, can you? And it's like, I'm not a signature expert, but these look pretty different to me. Uh, so uh, we went back and forth. We use a carrot and a stick. What do you think we use as a carrot? What do you think we use as a stick? This is a, this is a long story. What do you think we use as a carrot? And what do you think we use as a stick? Cash for keys? That's exactly what we did. Unfortunately, we had a bunch of deadbeat people that were part of this situation. Uh, one was in prison which is easy, you're gonna have people who are in prison you're gonna buy houses from. Um, notary comes to the jail you know, at least once a week so you can get that done. One was literally like on the lamb running from the police. That one was a little tougher to be able to get his release on, that, on this property. Uh, but they couldn't, they, we could almost did not come to an agreement on this because they couldn't decide who was gonna get the $10,000 that we were gonna put up. And, <laughs> Uh, in this particular case, because we bought it subject to, we thought it's in our best interest to put a little pressure on the situation. So the carrot was the 10K, the pressure that we put on the situation was we stopped making payments. Because again, what does title insurance cover? Only what you originally brought to the closing table. It doesn't cover all of your payments after that, okay? Well, again, whether you win or lose. If you lose, there, you, you lose all of the equity that you built up. If you win, you just didn't have control of that property for the last two years, which is what they estimated. 
So in this particular case, you know, and they were telling us, you know, we're going to sue you. It's like, well, great, you can sue us. But at some point, we're not going to own the property anymore because the bank's going to go back and foreclose on it. So literally, uh, with all of this back and forth, uh, within like days of it going back to foreclosure, which is what we saved it from when we bought it, uh, they miraculously figured out how to divide those proceeds, okay? They miraculously figured out how to divide those proceeds. Now, this deal did not get done. Um, they, they wanted us to just give them the money, and then they would all sign the release. And we said, we're not, we're not going to do that until this lady, who's a little cuckoo, is out of the house. Let me, let me define cuckoo for you. Uh, did not have the means to be, move into a new place, was not working, did not have a car, um, wasn't going to pack up any, anything in the house. Uh, we bought her moving supplies, boxes, tape, moving wrappers, right? Uh, we rented her a U-Haul truck. We bought her a lock to put on the U-Haul truck so she could move at her leisure. She would follow us. We kind of looked out as drive by it every day to see, are they moving or, or not? Because we didn't know how this deal was going to go down. And one day, uh, she, saw, she got used to kind of seeing our car at this point, uh, just kind of peering in at her. Uh, and she kind of ran down the street and chased us down. And she comes up to the car and this is some of the truth is stranger than fiction, but never is that saying more true than when it comes to real estate investing. This is some of the things that you, uh, and this is something that we experienced. And literally, I think it was um, our first year of investing in real estate. We bought a house for somebody who forged the deed. Okay. This will happen to at least one of you in this room here, probably in the next year. Because this sort of stuff does happen, and this is why uh, we close at a title com uh, company and figure out all of those things that need to be resolved. So what are some of those other things that might need to be resolved other than someone forging the deed? Uh, liens and judgments. So these could be first liens, second liens, IRS liens, HUD liens. What's super popular right now? What are people doing right now who have been on COVID relief programs? What are they doing? They're doing modifications like crazy. And then they get something called seller amnesia. What does that mean? They forget that they did a loan modification because they're not making payments on it and you don't find it out until when? The title company finds it, right? And says, oh, there's another $80,000 on here. You will be paying that off at the time of closing, right? And what does that cause us to do? Maybe have to renegotiate, maybe have to do a short sell, maybe something else. So these are some of the different things that they find. HOA liens, tax liens, credit card liens, judgments, uh, MOCs. What's an MOC, my friends? So we as savvy real estate investors, we file these things called memorandum of contracts. That way, when the seller ghosts you, is not talking to you, is not answering your calls, texts, phones, emails, door knocks, etc., they're, they're going to have to deal with you, but it's only going to be after they go to their new buyer's title company and their new buyer's title company finds what? So these are some of the things that we've put on properties ourselves and been paid off by, by sellers and or the seller's buyers. And these are things that other investors have put on before we got there as well. So this is something that you deal with as real estate investors all the time. Uh, probate issues, airship, uh, divorce, bankruptcy, quick claim deeds. What do we know about quick claim deeds in Texas? They don't count. Quit, and this is, this is why I worry about people who are getting their information from out-of-state folks because in other states, guess what works really well? Quick claim deeds. 
but they don't, uh, they won't survive a title commitment. They won't give you title insurance if you just use a quick, quick claim deed, unless the quick claim deed was filed after September 1st of 2022 and has been on file for at least four years. Based on the math I'm doing, we got another year before those quick claim deeds can be usable, but at some point they will be much more usable than they are today. But each one of these quick claim deeds, you gotta wait four years. If you have a quick claim deed in the chain of title, what are you now going to have to go back and do as a real estate investor? Go find the person who gave the quick claim deed to whoever you're dealing with and ask them to sign what? A general warranty deed, right, which does convey ownership and that ownership can be conveyed with title insurance. So some of those uh, will come up often. Expired driver's license. So please know this, the things that you got in this business to do, which I know for me, I got in this business to buy, fix and flip houses. My friends, these are only the things that you get to do after you do everything else on this planet Earth that you had no idea that you were gonna to have to do. That includes moving people, that includes buying U, uh, renting U-Hauls for people, getting boxes for people, renting other apartments for them. It also includes helping them get their driver's licenses renewed, okay? Because you have to have a valid driver's license to be able to close. You know, it's so funny, like whenever I hear politicians say like, you know, well, we need to protect the voters and they need to be able to vote whether or not they have a driver's license. Like in my mind, I'm like, who in the heck doesn't have a driver's license? Well, as it turns out, everyone that I try and freaking close a real estate transaction with, that's who doesn't have a driver's license. So you're going to have to do what as a real estate investor? Go take them there, go help them get one, right? And then that's because that's the only way that you're going to be able to close on that deal. So beware of those things happen. Common names. Any John Smiths in the room? I have done a deal buying a house from John Smith or Jose Gonzalez. Guess what? How many liens, judgments, divorces, and horses are on all these people? thousands. So you have to do basically what's called an affidavit of all of those liens, judgments, etc. are not me. So you have to do that in advance as well. Parties out of the country and or in jail, we can handle that. Um, uh, they can go to the embassy. Um, we had one party who, who was recently in Canada who, uh, uh, who was a U.S. citizen was going to take them uh, two days in travel to go from their very remote part of Canada to a U.S. embassy. But guess what? There was $60,000 in this deal. Is that enough, ma'am, for you to, yeah, okay, I'm getting out of bed for that too. In fact, I'm sending a mobile notary to where? Oh, it's full on mobile. It's like, it's, we're, you're going to Canada. I'm paying you. I will pay you good money because why? It's worth it. And this, what did the, what did the owner say? She was, a, she was an heir, right? And she, and she wasn't going to get anything. She didn't really care. But did I care? I cared hugely. So again, I didn't get in this business to send mobile notaries to freaking Canada, right? But these are some of the things that we have to do in order to be able to tap into the equity that's there that some people just um, won't go that extra mile. Uh, Co-owners that won't initially sign, uh, parties that later that sign and later don't decide to sign. These are all the things that you can, uh, you can encounter as a real estate investor. Uh, when it comes to closing, uh, liens and judgments, you can pay them in full. Uh, you can negotiate them off. You can get a partial release of lien. You can take them subject to. What does partial release of lien mean? What does that mean? 
Many liens stick to the owner as well as the property. A lien holder can remove the lien from the property and still continue to attach it to the, is this a way for us to not have to pay off someone's debt? Yes, do we do this all the time? Do creative title companies and creative real estate investors have to do this all the time because it's the only way to be able to unlock these deals? And the answer is yes. After you get all of these crazy things that you did not see in the initial real estate investor playbook resolved, uh, uh, then, um, uh, then you can get uh, things moving over to the closing. So if there's something that's on uh, Schedule C, uh, you can move those to Schedule B and take those subject to. Uh, buyers, in some cases, may elect to close without title insurance. This is probably one of the most dangerous and stupid things that you can do as a real estate investor. Um, on, after 20 years, literally, I can count the number of tabletop closings that I've done on one hand. I don't recommend it. It'll give you like a lot of stress and anxiety. Uh, so, so don't do that. Please close with a title company in every case and please co close with title insurance. Because if you don't close with title insurance and something later comes up, are you going to be able to sell that property to someone else with title insurance? No, right? And title insurance is the gold standard. So, and if you have this situation, you're going to have to go out and fix that thing that you let go on to the next closing uh, later on. So make sure you know uh, what that looks like. Uh, all parties uh, who are ownership must sign. Texas is what kind of a state when it comes to property? Community property state. That means if, sir, you owned a house and the deed was in your name, the ownership was in your name, the note was in your name, and then you later found a woman who looked about your age and decided to marry her, right and then i was later i was later coming in and buying that property from you if you two lived there as man and wife even though she's not on the note and she's not on the deed i'd still have to get her to sign and even if she didn't i would probably have to get her to sign let's say you just held it as a rental property if there was any commingling of funds right if she paid any of the mortgage payments if she did any of the work on it then what is she now entitled to that property so we've got to get her signature on it as well uh, mobile notaries uh, mobile closings are acceptable i've done it in church parking lots with uh, that that sounds that didn't sound good uh, i've i've closed uh, houses in church parking lots with mobile notaries that sounds much better uh, money must be received in time to fund the deal so wires sometimes get a little tricky if you misplace one number it could hang up that wire for a day or more so make sure you get those in uh, cashier's check because of all the fraud in many cases for many title companies is completely a thing of the past so i don't think you're going to do that unless you uh, have that at the title company way in advance if something cannot be re uh, resolved one of the things the tricks that we use as a real estate investor to be able to stop an auction is what how do we stop an auction temporary restraining order or a bankruptcy temporary restraining order some of you guys may be saying oh i thought that was just for my ex-girlfriend no it's our ex-boyfriend uh no that's not the case it can also be someone else who's threatening you right which might be a bank who's trying to foreclose on you so know that that's an option bankruptcy is an option too 
Uh, again, you can uh, take the deed. Uh, the deed's just a two-page document. You can do a kitchen table closing if you want to, but just know that that is incredibly risky and know you may have to deal with some of those issues as they come up. And if you can't get it done, you could terminate the contract. Uh, that to me is a little bit like defeat. I'm gonna find something creative to be able to do. Uh, I'm gonna use a carrot, I'm gonna use a stick, I'm gonna use all of the different strategies that I've learned as a real estate investor. Now, um, all, as all these issues are signed by the buyer and seller, uh, get that wire there on time, get that valid ID, so it cannot be an expired ID uh, or passport to be able to get them to closing. And uh, at the time of closing, all of uh, the deeds transferred to the new buyer, that's one of the last documents that the seller signs. Uh, you had a question, is it Raphael? The team that's gonna work with you. So uh, a lot of you guys will close at um, a title company. You really need to be going to close at an, especially for what we do as real estate investors where there's a lot of eggs to unscramble. You really need to be going to a fee office, which is really more of an attorney driven office uh, where an attorney driven office, they can take off their title company hat and put on their, I'm an attorney and you need to do these things. Otherwise you're going to get sued now. Uh, hat, so I prefer the fee offices just because I know they're gonna take care of me, not if something comes up, but when something comes up. If you're just at a regular title company and something comes up, usually they're gonna say, oh, we can't wait to give you the best customer service you've ever had. As soon as you just figure out this, all this other stuff, we'll be here and ready to close, right? It's like, no, I don't need that title office. I need the title office is gonna dig in and help me resolve that problem. So that's what you wanna look for. That's a good question. So if you guys, was this an okay tip and trick? I know we want, went off on a little rabbit hole of uh, false deeds and all that other stuff, but was this helpful to you guys? Uh, and some of you guys may have been like, well, that's way out here. Like, I'm not seeing this yet. I'm just, I'm just speaking into your future, into your future deal. So guys, we have a lot of other prior tips and tricks. We do this every week. And again, we are on uh, part seven of a overview of real estate investing, talking about closing. Um, next week, we'll bring you a new topic that kind of follows along in this strategy. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to our Texas Rios YouTube channel or our podcasts or any of the socials, uh, and you'll be able to uh, binge watch and become the real estate expert. What you will like about our tips and tricks is that we are Texans investing in Texas using strategies that actually work in Texas, uh, as opposed to maybe some of the other YouTube folks you might be following who strategy may not work in Texas because we do things a little bit different here. So i uh, love to have you guys join us on our Texas RIA's uh, YouTube channel. You can absolutely buy and pay off all the debt, which is what you're talking about. It's not, it, there are plenty of people that are behind on their property taxes. Just this idea of going to the auction, as an example, at, at the first Tuesday of every month and trying to buy some of these property, uh, properties that might be five, 10, or many more years. What you'll find is um, they get pulled off of that tax foreclosure list every month. And you don't know that until you've been watching it and doing it for a while. And then you realize, well, this strategy kind of sucks because they never make it to the finish line, okay? 
So that's where most people try that strategy for several months and then just say, well, this doesn't work. Yeah, it might work wonderfully in other states. It doesn't work here in Texas. But you can buy someone's property, even if they're behind on taxes, and you'll just, you can do, you can do, there's several ways you can do it, but probably the number one way to do it is just, yeah, you pay it off at the time of closing using your money, using private money, using hard money, using your self-directed IRA money as well. And that's strategy number one. Number two, you could continue to kick the can down the road. There's a little bit of risk there and it's a much higher interest rate than probably even what you would pay a private money lender or a hard money lender and just say, I'm gonna fix, the, I'm gonna buy this property, fix it and flip it before the county actually forecloses on me. You are taking a little more risk there, but if you're not risk averse, then that's something I've seen people do. You just have to manage the clock really well and be ready to uh, downshift into getting a private money, hard money type of a lender just in case you don't get it done in time. That's what I'm saying. You would buy it subject to. So you would move it from Schedule C, something that has to be cleared in order to close, and you would move it over to Schedule B. But what ha, have you guys seen the interest rates that they charge if you're late on property taxes? It's like, I don't, I don't know the exact, I, wanna, I mean, they, they increase it like every month. I want to say it's like 17% a year. You can get a hard money lender cheaper than that. Uh, but if, if you can't, for whatever reason, get a hard money lender to back you, uh, that's one way to still be able to do the deal without, um, uh, yeah, that's still one way to do, do the deal. You're just paying a higher cost of capital. Yeah, good question. All right, guys, let's jump into the market update. And I'm going to speed through this one, so uh, pardon me. And again, you'll be able to catch our slides online as well. So we'll start off with the Texas market update. I'll read these to you. I know uh, it's maybe tough to read, especially for those of you guys who are in the back. Last month, the average price in Texas, $429,500, down 3% year over year. Last month, sales were down 7% year over year, which I'm celebrating because uh, about six months ago, sales were down down 30% year over year because interest rates have doubled. So the fact that we're kind of back into um, a 7% down is actually something to celebrate. Uh, so it could be a lot worse, I guess, is what, I'm, uh, what I want to connect you guys with. In the Dallas market, the average price was $512,500, down 4% year over year. But in Dallas, Dallas was pulling up the curve in Texas in terms of their total sales. Dallas was only down 2%. Uh, pending sales, uh, as we ended May, were down. They were only down 6%, which, again, considering the fact that we've doubled interest rates in uh, about a one-year period, one of the fastest interest rates rise we've ever seen. Um, the fact that it's only down 6% is actually something to celebrate. Where's everyone going? Well, everyone is moving into leases and renting apartments or houses, right? So the number of leases were up 20% year over year. The lease price up 2% year over year. Uh, earlier in the year, we were seeing that lease price up in the 10 to 15% range. So that's kind of uh, settling down a little bit more as well. In the Houston market, the average sales price 431,000 down 1.6% year over year, which again is a huge win. Sales in Houston down 10.4%. Pending sales, which is our closest leading indicator of what closed sales will be as we close, start to close out June, down only 2%. So that's again something to celebrate. Lease listings up 13%, lease price up 2%. The number of a new lease, uh, four lease listings that were added to the MLS up 18%. Who are those people? Those are would-be sellers who have said what? 
It's a little tougher to sell right now. I think I'm going to lease and just kind of stick it out, see what happens next year when the lease is up and try and put it on the market and sell it then. So we're seeing that in several of the markets. In San Antonio, the average price, 389000 flat year over year. So flat is the new up, flat is the new up. And sales uh, down, but only down 3% in San Antonio. But the pending sales are actually down 14% for June. Uh, leases year over year were flat, lease prices up 3%. Austin, who had an average sales price last year of about 650,000, now has an average sales price of 606,000, down 11% year over year. So Austin's now pulling down the curve. Um, closed sales, uh, much better than what they look like over the last several months, only down 4%. And Austin, which was a market where we were selling properties at 100% of list price or 106%, pardon me, of list price. Last year, now we're selling at 94% of list price. So what that means is if a property was listed for 100,000, last year it sold for 106,000. This year, if a property is listed for 100,000, it's selling for $94,100. Now I know there's no such beast of $100,000 property in Austin, Texas, but just to kind of give you an example of what that looks like. So we do have a special announcement for you guys tonight, and that is we are setting up for a workshop to share with you everything that we've learned over the last two decades of investing in real estate. We're gonna share with you the 12 strategies that have kept us unemployable for the last 20 years. So basically what that looks like is, and I'm sorry, I've got a gnat flying around here. Uh, what that looks like is uh, when we first started investing, it was right after the dot-com bust. So we got started in a down market. We got started in a market where interest rates were actually higher than what they are today. Uh, we've invested through the credit boom. We've invested through the credit bust. We've invested through the Great Recession. We've invested through the best 12, 10 years that we've ever seen. We've invested through worldwide pandemics, ice storms, snowstorms, hurricanes, hailstorms, uh, and every single type of president, uh, uh, administration, etc. So we know how to not have to go back to work for anybody else. For me, I have not updated my resume since 2003. I have no intention of ever going back to work for anybody ever. The way that I can be assured that that's going to be the case is these 12 strategies that we're going to share with you guys over the course of our workshop. We'll also go through the marketing campaigns to help you find those off-market deals, the 10 sales scripts, what we call the exactly what to say for the real estate investor to be able to put properties under contract. We have a limited three city tour coming up. Um, our next class is going to be in Dallas, uh, July 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. We also have classes coming up in Houston and in Austin. We'll ask if you'll pull out your phone. Um, we're going to ask you to scan this QR code now so you can go ahead and get ready for it because I'm about to take the QR code down. Um, as we transition to the next part of the conversation. And I don't want you guys to be without it if you have to, uh, for any reason, leave early before we put it back up towards the end of the night. So please uh, go ahead and scan this and I'll make it a little bit bigger for you guys. Uh, for those of you guys in person, go and scan it. Alternatively, if you're in the kind of far back and you can't pull it up, just go to texasstarterkit.com. And for my friends that are watching online with us, there should be a link right below that we'll put in for you guys to get registered for that. I see a few of you guys still trying to get the QR code. I'm about to change the slide, so if you don't have it yet, again, just go to texasstarterkit.com. And as we end my part of the presentation, I wanna introduce our keynote speaker tonight, uh, Mr. Phil Grove, a nationally recognized expert in a number of real estate investing strategies. 
trained over 100,000 people in exactly how to invest in real estate here in Texas, transacted over 1,200 deals, totaling over $200 million in real estate, invested in over $300 million in commercial. Yes, we do that too. Uh, survived and thrived in every part of the market cycle and owns over $30 million worth of real estate, mostly free and clear, and all here in Texas. Will you guys please give a warm round of applause to Mr. Phil Grove. Texas's largest real estate investor association at TexasStarterKit.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, comment, share with other investors, or join us directly at TexasStarterKit.com.